0: This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed. I'm looking looking forward to sharing with you all today. I, uh, I always get, like I, I prepare throughout the week, you know, but I always get like some extra good God time on Saturday nights and just press in a little bit and The sermon I went to bed with last night, like I said, this morning was not the one. I woke up and I had, like I had a dream. It wasn't a God dream. It was just a weird dream. But then like right when I woke up, as I was waking up, like that whole, you know, are you asleep? or Are you awake moment? I heard, therefore, contend. Therefore, contend. And I just got this, like I knew, okay, my the word that I had to share, still a good word, but it's not the now word. And I needed to shift things and I needed to share the now word. And and part of it for me is the last two weeks, we've been talking about kind of fighting, fighting spiritual warfare and using the weapons God's given us to battle and kind of that strength. And I was like, I thought we were ready to move on. I thought we were shifting out of that. And waking up this morning and hearing contend, God was saying, Nope. We're still there. There's still a battle. There's still a fight. And it's time. It's time to do that. It's time to press in. And so I'm going to read a scripture this morning, but I I want you to just like beyond the words that I say today, I want you to almost like capture the spirit of it. Where when I'm saying, when I'm saying contend, you're like, oh, that's nice no contend like contending for something is not nice like one of the synonyms for contend is struggle struggle or labor <laughs> who likes labor and struggle like that's something that's not something most of us enjoy and you're like pastor woke up with the word struggle it's like ooh let's that just really stirs my spirit you know like that's not the that's not the word of the lord you're usually looking for and yet when god says those types of things when he warns you those types of things you've got to listen and take heed because you've all been through seasons of your life where there's been a struggle where you feel like there's some contention <laughs> and I'm willing to bet there's been times where that has completely caught you off guard. And you feel like it came out of nowhere and just set you back three years, five years. And God's trying to get a church who's a little bit ahead of the curve in the spirit, where you see the battle coming ahead of time, you see the enemy coming at you ahead of time, and you're prepared, you're ready to fight. You're ready for that contention, that struggle. And it's not fun. And this isn't like the fun sermon to give. Like everybody's going to walk out of here like, oh, I'm so full of hope. <laughs> you know, I'll, do a, I'll do the sermon on hope sometime. But today, this is kind of one of those warning messages again. And that's, it feels like the vein that the Holy Spirit has had me on. And so we're going to read from Colossians today. Colossians chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 29. I'm going to kind of jump around here in chapter 1 and chapter 2 a little bit. But Paul's talking to the Colossian church. And he says, To this end, I strenuously contend with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. And this is... This is such a wonderful passage because it's paradoxical. Like you read it and you're like, strenuously contend. And then you get this other line and it says, with the energy of Christ. You're like, okay, how do I be strenuous with his energy? (laughs) But it's also really useful because you realize you, most of the time, you've been strenuously contending. You've been struggling on your own. And when you run out of energy, that's it. And you're, really, you're just ready to wave the white flag. Like, all right, I've contended long enough. I'm done with this battle. Just take what you want. <laughs> and God is actually wanting you to be able to tap in to his energy, to his strength. Not yours. And we've all been in moments in life where we've had to strenuously contend. And some of you are troopers and you, like, give it a good go a little longer. And some of you are like, I'm not even going to fight at all. (laughs) You're just ready to lay down, put your head in the sand, go sleep it off or something. Like, you're just not ready to fight. And the hope of this message, oh, there's the hope, Uh, the hope (laughs) of this message is you don't have to do this on your own strength. There's a battle that's being waged in the spirit, but you don't have to fight it in your own strength. And if you are fighting it in your own strength, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. The failure that you kind of know so well. We've all been there. I've been there where I feel like I failed. Like, okay, what? Is it even worth trying this time? And you come at, and life just, life is ruthless sometimes. And it just comes at you and it hits hard and it just doesn't stop. And I've talked to people going through things, going through battles. I've talked to uh, friends who were dealing with a death in the family, the death of a close loved one. And it's this weird feeling because in their world, everything stopped. And I remember having, I had a a young friend in Kansas City and I was having a conversation and his mother died after a battle with cancer. And I could just see it on him. And it felt like his whole world had just come to a stop. And life was just moving on. He's like, why can't, like why, it's almost like he wanted everything to just, the world to just stop and acknowledge his pain. Like, don't you see my mom has gone? Don't you see how I'm hurting? Don't you see the struggle that I'm going through? Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to ad lib up here, I guess. (laughs) But don't you see? And it feels like life just moves on. And it moves so fast and it just pushes, pushes, pushes. And it's wanting to take you out. The enemy's wanting to take you out. And life comes at you hard. But in this strenuous contention, you have to have the energy of Christ. You have to tap in to something beyond yourself. Or it's going to continue to push you around. Like the same thing that's been happening is going to continue happening. But if you want to shift in that, you have to tap into his energy. You have to tap into his strength. And this is where it's amazing, like even just hearing that testimony and talking about giving today. Like what you're doing when you tithe, when you give money to the Lord, you're tapping into his strength. You're saying this hundred bucks ain't gonna go very far for me. This $107 isn't going to save my life. So I'm gonna put it into your hands, God, and show you that I trust you. And then you just watch and you're like, somehow ends meet. Somehow bills get paid. Somehow debts get paid off. You go, whew. All right, now 100's not enough. God, I'll give you 200. Let's give you 300. Like you start snowballing because you realize the more you tap into his energy, the more he takes care of you. The more he provides, the more he multiplies. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of addition and subtraction. It's of multiplication. God is the God who multiplies. God is the God who brings increase. You're not stuck at square 1 forever. God wants to bring increase, and it's supernatural increase. And like it it doesn't always make sense. But if you think about it, it doesn't make sense that you would plant a corn, a piece of corn in the ground and 3 months later you've got like thousands of pieces of corn. You've got whole ears full of corn. You're like, like the, the, that multiplication doesn't make sense. But that's actually how the kingdom of God works. And then Jesus comes along, the son of God, and what does he preach? He preaches a bunch of parables about sowing and reaping and about farmers. And a, you're like, wow, that's not that mind-blowing, Jesus. <laughs> Sounds like really everyday, it sounds really normal. And it's like, yeah, that's actually what God wants to do. Is he wants to work organically in your life through the normal everyday moments and show you his strength and show you his power. And so you have to, it's like this weird balance, like, okay, I've got to do stuff. I've got to labor. I've got to strenuously contend, but not in my own strength. what What does that look like for us? How do I strenuously contend for something not in my own strength? And that's something that's sort of caught, not taught. Like my job up here as the pastor is to present the word of God to you and tell you that this is how it works. But I can't say like, Okay, if you do this, 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 and this, and then it'll just, magic happens. You've got to let God do the work while doing the work. You've got to have him involved. You've got to tap into him. And most of us, we're so used to relying on our own strength. We want want that control. We want to make it go a certain way. but it, doesn't, it hasn't worked for you, right? Like, has, has it really worked for you? I'm gonna keep talking about the testimony. It's like, prior, prior to that moment, it's like, it just snapped. Like, my money hasn't been working for me, right? So I might as well give God a try, right? But what if you take that principle and apply it to other areas of your life? Your job hasn't been working for you, What if you get God involved? Your relationships haven't been working for you. What if you get God involved? Your mind isn't working right, something's off, something's shifted, you feel depressed, oppressed, you feel anxious, whatever it is. What if I get God involved? What's gonna happen? And sometimes it's even those moments of, of a different perspective and you hear, like God say through our pastor in Kansas City, it's like, pressure is privilege. And you're like, never thought of it that way. Never thought of it that way. And Paul here says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all of Christ's energy, which so powerfully works in me. God designed his power, his energy to work in you, to work through you. And most of the time, we disqualify ourselves. And that's part of why we've had to rely on our own strength, right? Because we feel like we're disqualified for God's power to work in and through us. But if you're disqualified from God's power working in and through you, how are you going to ever overcome? You're going to keep hitting the same obstacles, the same theme song, and it's going to feel like a roadblock, What's, what's the difference maker? The difference maker has to be the power of God working in you. And there's an energy to it, a strength to it. When you don't have the strength to fight, he helps you fight. And it has to do with you starting to give up control. And so church, today this message is therefore contend. Therefore struggle. Therefore And it's a shift in mindset. Like you're you're changing your mind. Like, you know what? I'm going to battle through this. I'm going to fight this. But I know I'm not alone. I have Christ's energy. I have his strength. And can you imagine, like when it says, with the energy that Christ gives, like, what does that even mean? Like picture... What Christ went through for us, even going to the cross, and the guy gets flogged. The they call it the forty lashes minus one, where they literally took whips that were they had bits of broken glass and bone on the end, and these it was called a catanine tails. And so they would literally they would sling the whip in a way that it would actually wrap around the torso and hook in the back, and then pull. Like, that's what was happening. And after getting that beating, then they put a crown of thorns on his head, and it's like the thorns are like this long. They name the plant in Scripture. They name the particular plant that comes up, and the thorns are this long. And then it said they took out sticks and beat his head with the sticks to push the thorns in. And then they're like, here, carry this big wooden stick. It's called a cross, but you get the point. (laughs) And they make him carry it, I think it was over a mile, outside the city. Like, how do you have the energy to do that? Like, that's not it's not humanly possible. And he had this energy, he had this strength that was of God to carry that out, to carry out that plan, that purpose. And scripture says elsewhere that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. If you're in Christ, that same spirit that raised him from the dead is in you. And so not even stopping at the energy that it took to go to the cross, think of the sheer amount of energy it took to overcome death and raise from the dead. Like, I don't even know what that looks like on a scientific level. Like, I just imagine the tomb kind of glowing a little bit for when he came back into that body, when his spirit came back into that body and made it come alive again and the the healing that would have taken place, like we know the, the scars were still there. But like the sheer amount of energy and force that would have had to come into his body to rejuvenate it and make him come alive again. That's fascinating to think about. And Paul tells us that the spirit, the same spirit, that raised Christ from the dead, is in you. What if you could start to practice tapping into that? How could your life be different? How could your mindset be different? If you could tap into that strength, if you could tap into that power, suddenly this strenuous contention doesn't seem so overwhelming. Suddenly the battles that you're facing, you're like, I'm not facing this alone. I have an inner strength that's not of myself. But Facebook has been telling you all your life, just look within, the power's within. And it makes, it, it makes you feel good, but that's actually false. It's not the power that's within you, unless Christ is in you. But if you're looking within to your own inner strength, that's the part that's already depleted. That's the part that's already overwhelmed. And this energy, God designed it to powerfully work in us, in you. I'm going to read a few more lines here. It says in starting of verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, So I want you to know how much I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea. And for all who have not yet met me personally, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one can deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And you know what? Maybe I'm making a fine-sounding argument today. I don't know how well it's coming across. But my job is not to make a fine-sounding argument to you. My job is to proclaim Christ. The mystery that is Christ. The mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. The energy of God. That's my job. is to preach Christ and his strength, not your strength. You're going to probably go online at some point between now and tomorrow, and you're going to read books and you're going to hear plenty of fine sounding arguments. And there's plenty out there, there's plenty of the wisdom of the world out there that you can tap into. But I want to ask you today, before you start to think about those fine-sounding arguments, before those things try to get in your path, know that they are actually out there to deceive you and to trip you up. There's fine-sounding arguments that's actually just the wisdom of the world. And it might initially kind of help, it might make you feel a little bit, good you know like if you're sitting there and you're listening to Sesame Street and they tell you like you're special and like it kind of feels good you know but have you realized yet that we live in the special generation and yet there's higher rates of suicide higher rates of depression higher rates of anxiety than ever before and it's backwards it's like Telling everyone they were special was supposed to help you not be so depressed and anxious. And now, we've got a bunch of cynical young people that are like, well, if everyone's special, no one's special. And we just, like, turn introspective. <laughs> right? And the fine-sounding argument only carries you so far. It's the wisdom of this world. And so you have to kind of come to understand. I said a mouthful up here just quoting Colossians, right? I mean, listen, my purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God. And that's not even the whole sentence. You're like, I got lost at the second comma. (laughs) You know? Paul's kind of known for that. Even in the Greek, like people who know Greek, it's just these long, run on paragraph sentences. And you can kind of get lost in it a little bit. And I'm trying to help flesh it out in a way that we can all understand and grab hold of and realize that we're not in this battle alone. I'm not up here telling you you just have to go and strive a little bit more. You just just try harder. But you know what? That's where like how many of you have ever listened to like a motivational speaker? You know, like It's okay. But motivation only lasts so long and then it kind of dies out. You get stirred up for a second, and then you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll go crank up another emotional speaker. or Not emotional speaker. Uh, <laughs> motivational speaker. They kind of go hand in hand. But that's what they do, right? Like, you get a little bit of emotions involved. And they get, they get tearful at the right spot. And then they get powerful at the right spot. And they throw their voice and give a little strength. And you're like, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> right? And then, then now there's even like... Compilation videos and remix videos of motivational speakers and you can crank it up and you, you got some music going to the background and you're like, yeah. But it only lasts so long, doesn't it? That feeling of, a motiv- of motivation only lasts so long. And I have to encourage you, like, as your pastor, this Sunday morning message can't just be a weekly motivational speech. Because that's not what I'm doing. Like, maybe you might feel stirred up. Maybe you might feel a little motivated, whatever. Like, those things can happen. But my job is not to give you your weekly motivation pill. My job is to preach Christ and his strength. But if you take me as a weekly motivation, then you're going to feel like it keeps falling short. And then every time you face a Monday, every time you face your Tuesday on your own, what are you going to, like, you're going to go just turn it on again and like, all right, let's get some emotion going. Like you can't live life riding emotions because emotions just go like this. You can't trust that. You can't rely on that. You have to rely on Christ. And it's kind of a, he says, the mystery of God, namely Christ. That's crazy. Like you're pursuing something that's still a mystery. But I've noticed that when things, when you can kind of take things at face value and it's easy, you don't have as much value for it. Like if you just get it the first time and it comes easy to you, you can figure it out, then you don't have as much value for it. But I'm telling you, I've been serving Jesus all my life and I have not come to the end of that mystery Like I've been seeking, I've been searching, I've been reading this and reading this and reading this and it's still not ended for me. Like I've still not gotten to the end of it. There's a mystery to it. And something drives me to it, pushes me to it. Pastor Steve kind of put it well earlier when he was saying pressure is privilege. Like there's this pressure. Not to perform, not to measure up. There's this pressure to know the mystery of Christ and his strength, not my own strength. And I tell you this, Revive Chicago, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Because they're out there. And you get caught up in it so Easy. You get caught up in, man, there, I mean, there's conspiracy theory ra- rabbit holes you can get caught up in online, and there's Facebook groups and there's political stuff. And so, sometimes it sounds like, yeah, that's the answer. That's what's wrong with society. Yeah, that's what we need to do. But we're getting caught up in the fine sounding arguments, missing the whole point. Paul goes on, verse five, for though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So grab hold of this, guys. Just as you received it, continue to live in him. And usually we receive it with joy, right? We usually, you receive it with gratitude. You're like, Jesus save me and you're so thankful. You're so grateful and it, sound, it sounds wonderful and awesome. And then suddenly like, we kind of go back to the fine sounding arguments. We go back to the way things were. And the same joy that you received it with, that's what you've got to stay with. You've got to to continue to live in him. That's hard to do. Like continuing to live in him, in his strength, that takes work. That takes some what? Strenuous contention to successfully do it. What, is that, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to labor in Christ? To use Christ's strength. Because we've all heard that line, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like it sounds so nice. But we usually just stop at I can do all things. You can be president someday. You know, we, ju- we use it to like take the limits off. Not realizing that the second part is actually the most important part in Christ who gives you strength. Like if you're not doing it in Christ, then no, you ain't doing all things. You have to be in Christ and he has to be giving you the strength. He has to be giving you the energy because if he's not those things aren't going to happen. Verse eight, still in chapter two here. He's going back to those fine sounding arguments a little bit. It's like, you can tell he's writing it and he's like, all right, I need to circle back to that. So catch this. Verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. This is, something, this is something you can really dwell on. I'm just going to read it again. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. And this is where part of, like, I can feel the emphasis of the message from the Lord. Because some of you in this room, this is like one of those warning messages, some of you in this room are on the verge of falling for that human tradition, human arguments, human philosophies, and you're about to be taken captive and you don't even realize it you're on the you're on the brink of one good argument pulling you aside taking you out of the game taking you captive and it's hard to see it coming because captivity in this sense you know it'd be obvious if they were like throwing the handcuffs on and leading you around but when you get ha- when you get captive to a certain way of thinking you're, you're thinking that you're doing it, that you're making the decisions. When you fall captive to a particular way of thinking, it's, you're so caught up in it, you think it's you. And you're blind to everything else. But he says, hollow and deceptive philosophy. If you really took a deeper look, you'd realize how hollow it is if you look behind the smoke screen of the fine sounding arguments and the deception you'd be like that's just an old man there behind the curtain you know like he's just pulling the cranks and levers it'd be obvious that you, what you were falling into but usually in the moments leading up to it it doesn't look so obvious it looks good it looks normal and you look at other people's lives and you're like, well, why can't I have that? Why can't I do those things? But it's actually hollow. And it's a deceptive philosophy. And you didn't even think, like here in this room, we did a pop quiz. Like you would have never, you don't think that you're gonna get caught up in that. You don't realize. It is pulling it. it is trying to take you captive, but it does it through your thoughts. And that's where we've been talking in recent weeks. We've been talking about the schemes and strategies of the enemy. He's actively working against you. He's actively trying to trip you up. We have an enemy. And I feel like God keeps bringing me back here to preach this, to declare this. We have an enemy. And you have to start to see that you have an enemy. You have to become suspect. Like hold ideas in suspect a little bit. And like, hmm, is that really right? Is that what God's word says? And you have to go to people in your life that can see clearly You have to have those men, But the benefit of having mentors is you actually get to listen to them. And what usually happens, here's where the deception starts to come in. The deception usually comes in trying to make you question them. Trying to make you question their motives. Trying to make you question maybe my motives. Well, what's he really in this for? What's he really want out of this? And you start to get skeptical of the people that God's put in your life. It makes you question leadership. It makes you question the word. And that goes all the way back. That goes all the way back to the original sin, right? Remember that moment in the garden and the serpent's whispering in Eve's ear? And what does he say? Did God really say? That's what he said. Did God God really say And those those types of questioning actually are what opens the doors. It's what opens the door to the enemy. It's what opens the door to deception. It's what opened the doors for Eve. Like, well, I'm stronger than Eve. I, I mean, at least if I saw a talking snake, I would know better than to trust it. Right, we want, we want, we think sin and darkness are obvious. Like you think the devil's going to show up with a pitchfork and try to convince you of something. Like I, told, I would recognize the devil if he showed up. It, it, friends, it'd be nice if it was that obvious. But that's not how he comes. Scripture actually says that he comes as an angel of light. He comes, he shows up looking good. That's where, like, you realize that part of deception is the fact that you don't know you're deceived. (laughs) Like, that's literally the definition. Like, we're like, oh, no, I'd never be deceived. It's like, that's the deception. You don't know that you're deceived. Like, that's what it means. It's in the meaning of the word. Like, If it was obvious, you wouldn't fall for it. It's kind of like the, uh, what do they do in movie theaters, the subliminal messaging and stuff? There's like a half a frame or a frame where they got like the Coke bottle in there or something. You walk in like, I'm thirsty. Like, you just go, it just go—it goes so well with this popcorn i mean, The popcorn's just so salty. Like, and you just, we're so, it's so easy. And you didn't even know that your brain saw it. Like, you think the devil doesn't have subliminal messaging? The enemy, the guy, like, He's kind of been around for a few centuries. He knows human nature. He knows what makes us tick. He knows how we think. He's like, I'm going to come in and try and trip you up. And as much as we'd like to think we're all modern and super smart, there's no sin in this room that's not covered in here. That's not exposed in here. And this is what brings it to light. God says, what happens in darkness, I bring into light. Right? Like, that's, that's the way it works. And so, if you're starting to fall, if, the, if you're starting to fall, you don't even realize, when it comes to thoughts, you don't even realize that it, you've been taken captive. Because it's happening in your mind. And it usually starts really subtle. It starts really slow. And it starts bringing, building up. Right? Like, no, like, Nobody in here is tempted to kill somebody, at least right now. Maybe if you're driving home and somebody cuts you off, maybe there's a little temptation. But, like, nobody in here is tempted to do that. But there there are people in prison right now that never intended to do what they did. And it was a slow build, slow build, and suddenly got them to that breaking point. And you look at them, you meet them, and you're like, they're not a bad person. But they did what they did. And most of you, you come into this room and like we could, we could talk, I could interact. You're like, you're not bad people. But you need to rely on Christ in you. You need to rely on his energy or you're going to be susceptible to the schemes of the enemy the hollow philosophies of this world and of human tradition. I mean, the basic principles of this world. he, He calls it out every single part, right? The basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And that's what gets attractive to us. We, we want to get caught up. We get caught up in the basic principles of this world and human traditions and nice sounding philosophies and we get pulled in and taken captive. And today God's continuing to warn. He's continuing to encourage. You've got to see it coming. You've got to see it coming. And you've got to cut it off before it builds, before it fully takes you captive. God's saying, do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? So we'll finish kind of where we started. Verse 29 of chapter one. Remember Paul said, To this end I strenuously contend with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. Would you stand with me this morning? To this end, I strenuously content. A lot of times we don't realize you've got to have that purpose before you. What's your end goal? What's your end goal? Where are you headed? Where are you going? And hopefully the answer is in Christ. That's the only real that's the only real end. It's the end and the means to the end. All the other things that you want in life, perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect family, the perfect kids. Well, the perfect kids don't exist. <laughs> Speaking from experience. <laughs> but you know, even at six, four, and two, my girls, like, they're not perfect. But I'm trying to teach them already. How to be in Christ, how to recognize when their attitudes are out of whack and bring them back. So, if you really want to grab hold of this message, you have to figure out how to strive in Him and not in yourself. What does that look like for you? Because I can tell you and tell you and tell you, but you've got to decide to do it. I can't do it for you. I'm your pastor. I'm learning to do this myself. You know? Like I'm learning to be in Christ while teaching you to be in Christ. It'd be nice if I could like, I was perfectly it, <laughs> but I'm not. I got to practice what I preach. I've got to be in Christ and fight to be in Christ, to show you the way and show you kind of what it looks like. Someone who's trying, someone who's pursuing. You got a little bit of that strenuous contention about you. You got a little bit like this is not going to be easy. Whenever you face something hard, whatever you had to, you kind of have to brace yourself a little bit. You have to gear up for it a little bit. You have to prepare ahead of time. Like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my game face on, you know? I'm gonna be ready to do this thing. Let's go. And that's sort of what you gotta do. Like, you gotta decide. This is this is my end purpose. This is my end goal. It's to be in Christ. He's the end and the means to the end. The only way I'm gonna get where I want is by his power. It's the only way it's going to work. And those of you in this room, you're smart enough to know that your own strength hasn't been working very well. But you're also stubborn enough to think, maybe if I just do it one more time, it'll work. What would happen What would happen if you gave in to God's strength? What would happen if you let him have control? Just like we talked about in our finances earlier today, what can happen? Like what if, what if there are debts in this room ready to be canceled? If you would give it over to him. What if there are relationships in this room ready to be healed if you he would truly let go of control and put it in his hands? What if there's what if that next job for you the next season in your life is because you choose and fight to let go of the control that you've held on so tightly, It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. I'm proposing to you an idea today. This is not the wisdom of the world. Wisdom of the world says, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Get up early. Stay late. Do the work. That's the things they preach. And God says, no, let me work through you. There's still work to do. If you're looking for a job, you still got to put in the applications, right? Like there's still things you have, there's still a process that you have to do, but you're releasing him to do it. You're letting him do it through you. And you know what? You're probably not gonna do it perfect the first time or the second time, but you start. You start letting him take control of your life. Because you know what? There's an enemy trying to take you captive. So you must be captive to Christ. I'm going to let Christ take me captive. I'm going to let Christ conquer me and my stubborn will I'm going to let Jesus have his way. I'm not going to just say the words, Jesus, you can have your way. I'm going to actually let him have his way. I'm going to let him take me captive because if I don't let Christ take me captive, I know I will always be susceptible to the other. And that's what scripture teaches. Scripture says you're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And we're all like slavery's wrong. Like, yeah, that'd be ideal, but guess what? That's not the way the world works. There's something vying for your attention, trying to take you captive, and Christ is a much better master than sin. I hate to put it in those terms, but that's what it is. That's that's the words that Scripture uses. He is our master and our Savior, and so I'd rather be. I'd rather be a prisoner of war in his camp than the enemy's camp. Get a little better fed. You know, get my needs provided for. He's like, hey, let me take you captive and I will multiply things in your life and bring the increase. I'll give you a good job, a good family. And you're like, is that even really captivity? Captivity. He's like, Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. I was like, this doesn't sound like that bad of a deal. (laughs) Like, okay, bless me. (laughs) You know? Like, we just put it in those terms. Like, we got to think in those terms. How is God seeing it? But it's our choice. It's your choice to walk it out. So you say these words with me? Say, Jesus, my life is yours. I mean it this time. My life is yours. Everything I have is yours. Help me contend with your strength and not my own. Help me. Be captive to you and not sin or deceptive philosophies. All I want is you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church.